I want to read this. This was a uh, an old preacher, an old colored preacher years ago that spoke about, um, he was actually speaking at a, at a civil rights thing, and um, there were a lot of people trying to raise up social issues and things like that, and this old old time preacher just got up and he just started talking about the Lord. And, uh, and I'm going to read this for you. I, I, I wish I could preach it or say it the way he did, because boy, just just send chills down your back to think about this, but I want to I want to encourage you in this. We talked a little bit about thinking and dwelling on the Lord, and oftentimes I don't know that we think very strongly uh, or deep about Him, and uh, as, a, as a result of that, I think a lot of times our joy is lacking. So I'm just going to read this to you, uh, kind of the way, or the way He has it, that He said it, and... Um, See if it'll be a help to you or a blessing to you. He said, The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He said, That's my king. He said, I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. His enduring, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally grateful. He's uh, imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's Son. He's the sinner's Savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled, unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He is the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the one... Uh, only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. I wonder, do you know Him today? He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and He saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and He guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. He said, I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway to deliverance. He's the pathway to peace. He's the roadway to righteousness. He's the highway to holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He is indescribable, incomprehensible, invincible, irresistible. If you can't get him out, you can't get him out of your mind, and you can't get him off your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him. They found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate tried to, couldn't find fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Now that's my king. My king was born king. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the King of heaven, He's the King of glory, He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. David said, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. My King is the only one, whom there are no means of measure, uh, who no means of measure can define His limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of His shore of supplies. No barriers can hinder Him from pouring out His blessing. He is enduringly strong, entirely sincere, He's eternally steadfast, immortally grateful. He's the loft. Uh, see, I already read that part. 
Um, he's always been. He always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor. He'll have no successor. There was nobody before him. There'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. Now, that's my king. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, uh, but, uh, but it's God's power. Thine is the power, yea, and the glory. We try to get prestige and honor and glory for ourselves, but the glory is all His. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. How long is that? And ever and ever and ever and ever. And when you get through with all of the evers, then amen. And that's His king. I wonder how we view God. I love reading this. I, I, there's a recording online. I've listened to him before, and I sit there and I think, do I love Him that much? Do I know God that well? Is my relationship with Him such that it's indescribable? At a portion of that, in, in the middle of it, He's going through all this, and He says, I wish I could describe Him to you. And I thought, boy, if that's not describing it, I don't know what it is, but what He was saying is, He's indescribable. God is indescribable. When God, who is our life, shall appear, then you shall appear with Him. I'm telling you, I, I'm so thankful that I'm saved. I'm thankful that God gives us life. I want us to look at five things today uh, with regards to this life that God gives to us. It begins with the new birth, and of course we all understand this. In John chapter number 3, in verse number 3, he says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born, he cannot see the king, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto ye, ye must be, thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. And so the life that God gives to us begins uh, with the new birth. And like any birth, uh, when we first get saved, we are, we are not fully mature as God's people. We have not grown in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the importance that there is in studying and knowing and understanding doctrine and understanding the Scriptures. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, so when a, when a person first gets saved, um, we begin by what the Bible refers to as uh, the milk, the milk of the Word. In First Peter chapter 2, and verse number 2, he says this, uh, we'll start in verse 1, <coughs> but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall... Uh, bring forth uh, in their... Uh, let's see, I've got the wrong... I'm in Second Peter, I'm sorry. I was like, that's not the right verse. There we go. Second Peter, uh, First Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. When I used to read this verse, I used to read it and think, boy, that's a fragmented sentence because I thought he was saying... As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, then what? But he wasn't saying as sincere, ba as sincere 
as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word. He's not making a contra or a comparison here. What he's saying is, as newborn babes, our instructions are to desire the sincere milk of the word. <clears throat> We're being told to do this. And to not necessarily um, have to have all the deeper matters and mysteries of Scripture all understood at the very beginning, but that we are to continue to desire the milk of the Word so that we can grow day by day. And um, I will say this, that uh, we are not supposed to stay babies. And there's a, the, the, the world we live in today is full of a lot of Christians that have been saved a very, very long time. But they are still babes in Christ. They're still on the milk of the Word, if you will. And the reason I think that they're still on the milk of the Word is because they've not desired the milk. They've not sought after it. They've not longed for it. They've not hungered and thirsted for it. Um, when my kids were little, um, we used to fix their little bottles and their formulas. And I'm going to tell you what, they'd get, they'd get to where they'd start crying when they were hungry. You ever notice that? And, and you knew when they were hungry because they were crying for it. And then when you got it to them, uh, they latched onto it. And boy, you, you, woe is you if you ever tried to pull that bottle away from them. I mean, they'd bite your arm off. They'd pull it in there so hard you couldn't even get it out of their mouth because they, they were so hungry and thirsting for it. And I believe this is what Peter's speaking about here. That as newborn uh, babes, we are to desire the sincere milk of the work the same way that newborn babes do. We're to have that hunger and that desire and that thirst, that craving for. And, and when we don't get it, uh, there ought to be something that, that we cry out for to say, I need more of this. And the truth is, we're living in a day where even people who have been saved a number of chronological years really are in need of having this desire in their hearts. To desire the milk of the Word of God in their hearts. But we're not supposed to stay as infants. We're not supposed to stay babies. Obviously, we're to grow, and the Bible teaches us that. But let's look at Hebrews chapter 5, and we're going to spend probably most of our time in this, this portion of Scripture. Hebrews chapter number 5, because this kind of describes uh, what we were talking about here. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 5, and I'm going to start reading in verse number uh, 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest... But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. And he saith to another in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Uh, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So he's speaking here of the, the similarities of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, being the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, not after the, uh, the line of Aaron and the priests, but uh, was called to be a high priest by God himself. Verse number 11, speaking here again of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. Seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, 
and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to him who are of full age. I'm going to stop there for a moment. And, and I want us to understand this, that even though we are, when we get born we're babes in Christ, there's a lot we need to learn. The truth is we're to desire the sincere milk of the Word. We're to crave this book. We're to hunger and thirst after it. We're to devour it. We're to, we're to feast upon it, if you will. And allow the, the Word of God to do the maturing and the growing in our lives so that we don't have to be on the milk of the Word for all of our life, but we can begin to handle some of what the writer of Hebrews here refers to as strong meat. Uh, now, just a little bit ago, we uh, had lunch, and uh, there was some brisket down there. And when I started preparing that last night, uh, it was pretty tough. And some of the fat was on there, and some of the gristle was on there. We had to cut it away. We had to get rid of some of that. And it was hard to chew. I... I would, have never, I would have never cut up that meat and fed it to, to one of my children when they were just a baby, just a few months old or a year old. It, they couldn't have handled it. Even if they could have chewed it and gotten it down, their digestive systems couldn't have handled it. It would not have, it would not have stayed in them. It wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have absorbed into them and become part of them. And this is where we need to, where we need to get as a Christian. In the life that God has given to us, we're born... As babes, were to desire the sincere milk of the Word. And I'll tell you this, that the more we study the Word, the more we learn the Word, the more we are able to be skillful and to handle the strong meat. Now notice in verse 14 also that he says this, But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of what? Reason of use have their senses exercised. I hate that word. I don't like the word exercise. I don't do. I do one sit up a day. Uh, in the morning, I sit up. At night, I lay back down. <clears throat> I do some curls. Usually, I have a fork in it with some food on the end of it to weigh it down, and that's the kind of exercise I like to do. But this isn't talking about bodily exercise. This is talking about exercising our spiritual discernment. Notice he says this: "Who by reason of use." Use of what? What, what, are we, what are we referring to here in verse 14? He says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use. Reason of use of what? What are we using? The strong meat, the Bible. So, so even those who by reason of use have their senses what? Exercised to discern both good and evil. The way that we understand what's right and wrong, and we, we understand the, the, the things that a mature or grown person should know, is by using the Word of God. A young person doesn't know um, right from wrong, do they? They toddle into the kitchen, the stove's on, mama's baking, and they want to reach up and grab a hold of the top. They don't know any better, do they? You swat their hand, they start crying and whimpering, and you didn't do it because you hated them or because you were trying to hurt them, you did it because you're trying to educate them and help them to know. The very next time you're baking, they come toddling in there, more than likely they're going to try to reach up there again, and it may take two or three or four times, but by reason of use, they eventually learn. I remember when I was a kid, 
sticking things in, in wall sockets. That's why I don't have much hair today. And I did not learn the quickest. I thought if it was a different object, it probably wouldn't shock me. And it took a little bit of time for me to learn that. But there comes a point where we begin to have enough sense to realize for ourselves. I've told people this many, many times before that when I was a young person, and real young, mom and dad would tell me something. And if I ever asked why, after I picked myself up off the floor, uh, mom and dad would usually say, because I said so. And that was, that was the only answer given. I thought, boy, that cleared it up. I really, I know now. I know why. And I did, because they said so. That was the only reason I needed. But as I got older, I needed to know the why. I needed to understand some of the things. And oftentimes, when we first get saved, we read it in Scripture, and we obey it just simply because that's what it says we're supposed to do. But somewhere down the road, we ought to begin to have an understanding of Scripture. We ought to begin to be able to draw biblical principles out of Scripture that guide our lives. We cannot remain as infants. And I fear that in our churches today, a lot of the issues that we're facing are a lot of people who come Sunday morning maybe Sunday nights and Wednesday night, they bring their Bibles, they dress nice, they sing the songs, and then they go home, they lay their Bible on the table, they don't pick it up again until the next service. And there are a lot of Christians that have been saved a long, long time that are on the milk of the Word. They're still babes in Christ. And the writer of Hebrews says, there's a time where you ought to be a teacher of these things. But sad to say, he said, some of you I'm not talking about our church, but this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. He said, some of you are in need yourself of being taught the first oracles of God. You're in need of milk still. You're not there yet. You haven't gotten to the place of strong need. But it ought to be our desire. It ought to be the thing we love. And then we ought to eventually get to adulthood. Look with me uh, in Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I, I'm actually going to give you four things. Ephesians chapter number 4. We're going to begin in verse number 11. I've read these verses a number of times before. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And we understand and know from Scripture that we are not perfect as far as what we understand that word usually to mean, which means sinless. We still mess up, don't we? We still sin. We still do things that are wrong. We are not perfect. But yet, these folks were given for the perfecting of the saints. What do we mean by that? Well, in the New Testament, the word perfecting often refers to the process of that growth towards perfection. Or uh, oftentimes people will use the word maturing or or uh, equipping that which is lacking still and, and adding to your, your, uh, your, your uh, spiritual armor, adding to your spiritual defense, adding to your character, um, adding to your faith, 
And uh, Peter talks about that, adding to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge and the knowledge temperance and so on. And, and again, adding some things to that. Why? Because we're working towards, we may not make it till we get, we're not going to make it till we get to heaven, but we're working towards that perfection. And, it, and this idea of uh, the perfecting of the saints is dealing with the maturing or the growing or the equipping or helping them along that road or that process towards spiritual maturity. We've talked about this before. It's the purpose of our church to do this, to assist people and to help them and nurture them along their, their, uh, their road of spiritual maturity. And whether we have succeeded as a church or not will be measured by the maturity of the people that are in the pews of our churches. And the sad thing is, it takes sometimes years to find out if you were successful or not. Because you don't see maturity happening quickly. But he says this, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. <clears throat> and he tells us that we're to do this in verse 13, till we all come, to, uh, come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. So until we get to heaven, we have the full knowledge of God, we're in heaven now, we're mature, we have all of this together, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That doesn't happen until we get to heaven. Until then, <coughs> these are the things we're to be striving for. We're to be pushing toward, pressing toward that mark, as Paul would have said it. And uh, then he says this in verse 14. I want us to look at these verses, 14 through 16. <coughs> because these are some of the characterizing marks of a maturing, I don't want to say a matured Christian, because I don't think we ever get there, but a maturing or perfecting Christian. He says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of, what's the next word here? Doctrine. We've got to work on the area of our doctrine. We've spent some time on that quite a bit. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So we need to have some discernment. We need to be able to tell when there is someone out there that is teaching something that is not right according to Scripture. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> what is the only way we will know if somebody is teaching something contrary to Scripture? We have to know the scripture. That's the that's the perfecting, the maturing process. I sense your babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may what? Grow thereby. It's that maturing work of the word of God in our lives. Now he says this, but speaking the truth in love. How can we speak the truth? What's required for us to be able to speak the truth? We must know the we must know the Bible. Kind of comes back around to it again, doesn't it? May grow up into him in all things, which is the head even of Christ, even Christ, for <coughs> from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So there should be an increase that takes place. There should be a building that takes place. There needs to be an effectual working that takes place. And all of that comes from the sincere milk of the Word that we may grow thereby. 
this life that God has given to us. It starts with birth. And the key, the singular key to the progression of the spiritual growth is this book right here. It is the singular key. It's what matures us. It's what grows us. It's what allows us to become perfected or work towards this uh, idea of perfection. And we are to do it until the day of Jesus Christ. I say all that to say this. There comes a point sometimes, and it's tempting, to get to a place where we know Scripture, we've studied Scripture for years, and it's tempting to say, I know enough. I'll just get by on what I know. But I want to urge us in this area that it be a continuous thing in our life that we study, that we dig into this book until the day that we go to heaven. Don't ever get to the place where we say, I've, I've, I'm there, I, I know enough that will get me by, and I don't need to really uh, take the time and the work and the effort to study Scripture anymore. I'll be frank with you. I think we ought to still be memorizing Scripture. And I know I'm talking to an older crowd here, and I'll be honest with you. If your brain works like my brain does, it doesn't remember stuff like it used to. But it does still remember stuff. And I heard a fellow say this one time. He said, if you take an event and you tie it to an emotion, it will be emblazoned upon your brain as a memory. Rather than just memorizing words of a verse, let the truth of that passage get a hold of your heart and it will embed itself in your mind. As sincere babes desire, as, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And we are to do it until we get to heaven. I don't want to get 20 years, 30 years, 40 years into my Christian life and somebody come to me and I'm still on the milk of the Word. And I can't give them a good answer. I want to be able to handle the Word of God well. I want to be able to study it, know it. That I can be on the strong meat. That I can have my senses exercised by reason of use to discern between good and evil. There are some things that you don't have to have the Bible verse on where it says thou shalt or thou shalt not. You just know because you've studied the Bible enough to realize that's not right. That's not right. I want to encourage us. Don't be weary in studying your scriptures. Don't be weary in reading them. And I would say this. If you've lost your hunger and your thirst for scripture, Ask God to help you get it back. Because it's more than just reading the words of this book. It's having a desire to know it. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're thankful once again for your word. You have given us life. We're thankful for that. Lord, what a joy it is to us to know that you are our life. May we take the life that you've given to us and make good use of it.